Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's nonprofit highlight on Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. Today, we're going to talk about hope, H-O-P-E. Who doesn't need a little bit of hope, especially lately, given the crazy things going on in our world? There are a lot of acronyms out there for hope, like hanging on to positive expectations or helping other people every day. So appropriate and timely right now, right? What about healthy opportunities that protect and empower? I really like helping others pursue eternity for personal reasons. But I think what's appropriate for this venue is happy our program exists. How perfect is that? So we're going to go with that one. We're going to stick with that. People need hope in a variety of ways. And my first guest today is going to share the different ways they're providing it. Hannah Gonzalez is the executive director from Hope MKE. Their mission is to transform communities one person at a time with God's compassion by offering services that strengthen people and restore families. So welcome to the show today, Hannah. Thank you, Jill, and thank you, Ellen Bucker, for having me here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, we love it when people share their journey of how they got to where they are. So how did you get connected to Hope MKE? Yeah, so I actually learned about Hope MKE through my local church at the time. Um, They partnered with them a lot, and one of their staple programs is a Kids Fest. Um, It's essentially a fun summer camp free for kids that they host in the local parks. And so I got connected with them through there um, by volunteering myself. And I really love what they were doing. I was seeing the joy that it was bringing um, and the way it was impacting the kids' lives. And that really drew me to them. Um, And then further, um, a little of my own background is I, at the time, had been working for a Fortune 500 company. I was on that trajectory to climb the corporate ladder. And I loved what I was doing in many ways. But in other ways, I kind of felt like something was lacking. And it was really this missional piece of the work that I was doing. Um, I had uh, volunteering opportunities with them, but it wasn't an everyday thing. And that was something that was really important to me. And so um, volunteering on my own time with Hope MKE and then um, thinking more about what I want, what kind of impact I I wanted to have and and really this personal like individual life type of impact that I was looking for um, really got me connected to Hope MKE. And you know you're not unlike a lot of millennials. I know you're you're uh, very young uh, at least comparatively speaking and so you know we learn about how millennials are very uh, excited about partnering with an organization that makes a difference for them. You know, something that has an impact, some way that they themselves can make an impact. So that's that's wonderful, Hannah. You know, tell us about your global humanitarian work. Yeah, so that I think was the big root for me of having this missional minded, purpose driven lifestyle. I 
had the opportunity of going on my first humanitarian mission work trip uh, in fourth grade. So I, I don't know, you're like 10 to 12 years old. And I went with my, my dad and some friends and we got to actually host a summer camp for kids in Romania. And I remember how much joy and excitement and how everyone was just ready to like be your friend and it didn't matter who you were they were loving life and it brought me so much joy to do that and then later in life actually post high school graduation i decided that i wanted more of that in my own journey and i did a longer trip for six months and i served in holland indonesia and the philippines where i was able to work with different organizations that were building houses and giving food to families in rural areas like favelas or slum type areas where they build shanty towns and things like that and then working with malnourished children and and all of that and it was honestly just like a blessing for me to get to go there and be part of it from a service perspective but I learned so much which I hear from a lot of people who do that kind of stuff they they come back feeling like they were the ones truly impacted and that's really what it was for me too and it spurred this thing of just how can I continue to give back? And so I've been able to work with different organizations here in the States and see um, this commonality of like, yeah, there's a need everywhere, not just in, in a third world country, but here too. Absolutely. And that's an important thing to know. You know, people are suffering all over the world, but the, the good news is that there's hope. And, and it says it all in your in the name of your organization. Um, how does your work experience then tie into what you do locally in West Dallas? So I think the biggest thing that I learned is that, well, a couple things. One, that people really want to be seen for where they are right now in life. And sometimes life can be really difficult and they just really need someone to come alongside them and encourage them or help them um, in that moment so that they can overcome this trial or tribulation in their lives and and then have an easier path after and that was something that i was seeing you know from a global perspective of people just really needing help because they were down on their luck right now um, and then also seeing that here in west Dallas and just understanding that people are people, um, no matter you know what your title, position, where you live, what your color is, anything, people are people. And, and it's important that we see people that way and, and be with them and partner with them and really be their neighbor. And I just think about, you know, like better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. And like, that's what getting to work with Hope MKE has been about is just being that neighbor and flexing to the needs of what is and was and will be going on in our community. Oh, that's wonderful. It just reminds me of uh, a song, people who need people, right? Uh, you know, we all need someone to walk alongside us and, uh, encourage us or provide a, uh, a safe haven or provide a, a, a need. Could be, you know, a, a dire need that someone needs at that time. Hope MKE, though, isn't, it's not about feeding. It's not about educating. It's not only about providing fun things to do. You're about changing lives. And as you said, being there for people when they don't have anyone else. I'm actually reading a book now titled Women Who Spark by Alita Norris. And Hope MKE is about sparking hope. 
which I love. I love that idea, that concept. So stay tuned to find out just how they're going about doing that. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. I'm talking today with Hannah Gonzalez, Executive Director of Hope MKE, located in West Dallas. So as we said before the break, Hope MKE wants to change lives and they want to spark hope in the community. How do you go about doing that, Hannah? Yeah, so we have three primary uh, focuses and one sub-focus. Um, our main focuses are really around food and helping kids. And so um, we're a community center and we're evolving, which is kind of fun too. But right now we have our food services, which has two parts to it. So we do drive up food pantries, which is once a month. We organize getting tons of food to the center and then letting everyone in the community just come and get food and groceries for the week. And so this, the first one that we did, we ended up serving 350 families with over 7,000 pounds of food. And so we got tons of, you know, letters and texts and calls just saying, thank you. We really needed it. This is helping us. We were choosing between paying our mortgage and eating this week, or we just had some type of medical situation that came up and it was so unexpected. And now we have medical bills. And so this is helping us in this instance. So that was really cool. We don't ask anyone for any information. They can give their cell phone if they want to know of when we're doing other things. Um, but it really is just like, you need it and that's okay. We don't need to know anything else. And so we have food services. The other component of our food services is a food pantry, more traditional in its sense. We do food drops for families. We work with a lot of local schools and if they identify families that are homeless, or having um, a, a lack of food, they will let us know and we'll bring them food. And then in addition, at our community center itself, we have after school programming for kids. And so that's a really cool way that we get to help our community by um, kind of furthering what they're learning in the classroom. And so we do rotations of different programming for them. Our core things that no matter the day, we're gonna focus on education and art. Um, the kids really, really love art. They're super engaged through it. They love it. Um, we've been really lucky to collaborate with Mount Mary, actually. They have a art therapy program, and so they'll send in interns over. The interns aren't doing any of the therapy side of the art. They're monitoring from that perspective. But from an art perspective, they bring a lot of different skills and ideas and, and ways to engage kids in all of their senses that we can't we don't always think of ourselves. But, so that's been a really cool way um, that we get to work with the kids. And then for the education side of it, we're helping with homework. We're reinforce, reinforcing some of these basic principles and foundational skills that they're learning around math and reading, things like that. And then in addition, we have uh, a slew of other things we do. So we've had different sewing classes or music classes, teaching kids to play piano. Like we had a professional college graduate pianist come in and teach the kids for a circuit of learning. It was like a six-week program. And then 
We have also had different like dance and outdoor exercise. So just a variety. We try to keep the kids entertained and, and give them the fun side of what they're learning in school. Actually, one of our other really enjoyed programs is our science program. We just do a lot of different science experiments and the kids really love getting to like, be hands-on with it and, and have more of that personal one-on-one -on -one teaching that you can't always get in such a large classroom. And then in addition to the center itself, we also have this core event that I had referenced before of Kids Fest. And so every summer we go in the park and meet the kids where they are and host a big like summer camp for them essentially. And we bring food and bouncy houses and paint and, and balloons and just allow them to have these fun festival type things that not all kids have opportunities to. And the kids love it. The last one, last summer, we had over 200 kids attend. And so it's something the kids really, really love. And then that secondary thing that we do is have support groups. And because we're a community center, we really are trying to flex to the needs of our communities. And we really do focus on the kids, but we know that their family health is vital to their health as well. And so we've hosted support groups, for example, for women who have had different domestic violence or other hard scenarios like that. Um, we have a program called Mending the Soul that's facilitated with um, the help of the local police department. And so that um, has been one of those ways we just kind of flex as the need is there. And so, yeah, those are our main programs. Well, you're doing so much. I mean, that's wonderful. You're, you're a, like a well-rounded organization providing hope in a number of different areas. You know, we've said before that not one nonprofit can do it all. They can't be the be all end all, you know, for, for the community. And it sounds like you're collaborating with food sources, you're collaborating with the police department. You know, why do you believe it's important to collaborate? And then give us some examples of some of your connections and how you're capitalizing on those partnerships. Yeah. So it's so important to collaborate because we can't be the master of all, you know, um, <laughs> And there are people who have really great skills and talents and expertise that we can't bring always by ourselves as a small team. Um, and honestly, we don't want to redo the work that's already been done. We want to make sure that their work is amplified and that we're, you know, allowing both or all parties to excel in what they do. And so Collaboration is 100% key for us. We have so many different ways we collaborate. Like I had referenced, the schools is one of our steady collaborating partners. When they have needs, they let us know and we're able to work together to be a solution. For the food drive that I mentioned, for example, we were able to work with another nonprofit, Dry Hooch. They're a veterans um, services program and they helped us facilitate getting the food there the most effective way. Um, we've worked with tons of different churches, which is also really cool. That's personally one of my favorite things to see that it doesn't matter the denomination of church or anything like that. People are like, we just want to help. And you're being an outlet for us to help because sometimes um, suburban places don't know where they can have an outlet to actually help. And so that's been a really cool connecting point between here, we'll connect you to where you can help. And so churches have provided us with food, volunteers, like that's huge because most of the things we do are volunteer led. They've helped us, you know, from an education, financial standpoint, all of those ways, it's been really great. 
in addition, we've been able to collaborate with a lot of different businesses. I keep referencing this um, food drive, but it was really a community effort, which is why I love it so much. And one of those ways is like we had local bars say, hey, you can use our coolers and store all the food for this drive because you guys don't have like massive coolers the size of, you know, a grocery store, but we have big coolers because we house our products in there. So you can use it for a night so that the food can stay fresh and cool for the drive tomorrow. And so that is another just cool way that we've been able to collaborate. Yeah, we know how important collaboration is, as we said, and, and actually our next guest, Groundwork Milwaukee, is one that you have collaborated with as well. Uh, because again, not one organization can provide everything. Um, so you're providing what you are able to do uh, where you see a need for others. So what would you say is your greatest need then? Um, definitely volunteers, as I referenced, like volunteers are, they are the lifeblood of our organization. To do these food drives, for example, it takes 100 volunteers. To host Kids Fest every summer, it takes over 100 volunteers to do. And so we're volunteers are a hundred percent like our biggest need and then in addition like most nonprofits funding is also key we really love to partner with organizations that are doing individual contributions or company contributions people who are really not restricting the way that their money is used they just said you know if there's a need help and do it what they like what they need right now um, I'm another example. I'm thinking of someone who had found out a, a family we work with needed a stove and her husband was incarcerated and she's like, I cannot afford to, you know, pay for my kids food and my rent and all of this on my own, but I really need a stove and it's just too much for me right now. And we had like an individual donor just say, I'll buy a stove. It doesn't matter. Like no stipulations. I'll just get her a stove. And so, um, yeah, funding so that when people have these one-off needs, we're just able to immediately say, okay, like no questions asked, we'll help you. And yeah, one of the biggest ways that we're able to do that is through our Hope Gala. Um, and so that's every fall. And so if people are looking for a fun way to fund something, that's a really great thing to be part of. Well, how... Uh how are you or are you at all? Maybe you're not, but are you affected by the COVID-19 pandemic that, uh, that we've all been uh, needing to adapt to? Yeah, so we actually have done a couple of things. The Drive Up Food Pantry, which is now an extension of our food services, really grew out of COVID-19. We had heard from our regular um, attendees that the local food pantries were closing and they couldn't get that supplemental food that they normally got. And so we, we gave it a week and we're like, let's just do it. Let's make it happen. And we saw that the need was there and that people came. And so we decided to implement that as part of our core programming. In addition, we've had to look at how can we still connect with our kids. Um, and so we've been doing take-home activity kits with them, written down instructions, because a lot of kids don't have access to Wi-Fi and things like that. Um, but those kits have been great because it's keeping them busy, occupied, staying out of trouble. It's helping them teach their younger brothers and sisters how to do things. It's been a really great tool. Well, you're certainly making an impact. And uh, as you said earlier in the interview, you know, you are the one that is being impacted 
even though you are making such a difference in other people's lives, it's, it's you who are uh, the people that provide the service that are also being impacted. What would you say is the biggest thing that the people that you work with have taught you? I would say that, you know, everyone needs love. It doesn't matter where they are. They could be your neighbor next door or across the ocean. Like they need love. They need support. They need someone who's going to come by their side and, and help them be the, the, their, their best selves. <laughs> Very well said. Very well said. Uh, if someone wants to reach out to Hope MKE, what's the best way to do that? They can go to our website and fill out the contact form, or they can, our contact information is on there directly for my email and my team's emails as well. Our legal name is actually crimsoncharities.org, and so that's where you're going to find us. We do business as Hope MKE. Thank you for being here today, Hannah, and sharing your passion. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having me. You're welcome. You know, it's one thing to provide something that you know the community desperately needs, but what if someone came alongside you to provide, to help you provide that need and to make the load less heavy? We talk about how collaboration is such an important part of providing a full featured offering to the community. So stick around to hear from a nonprofit that works closely with Hope MKE to provide a helping hand. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and my next guests today are Deneen Powell, Executive Director, and Damian DeBoer, Deputy Director of Groundwork Milwaukee, whose mission is to empower people businesses, and organizations to promote environmental, economic, and social well-being. Thank you for joining in our conversation today, Deneen and Damien. Hi, Jill. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having us. You are welcome. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Give us a little history lesson about Groundwork Milwaukee for those that aren't aware of who you are. Sure. So uh, Groundwork is actually a part of a national organization, a national network. We have 22 trusts throughout the United States. Uh, we started as an outgrowth of, the, of a program through the National Park Service as a partnership with the EPA. So the model was developed from a model in the UK and throughout the US, the UK and the world, there are over 70 Groundwork Trusts. Uh, here in Milwaukee, we've been around for approximately 13 years, and uh, most of our work, what we're known best for, is the work in food, work in water, and work in community development. We have a very large garden network here. It's over 120 community gardens here in the city of Milwaukee. The participants range uh, and the size of the gardens range, but I'd say we have over 2,000 gardeners, local gardeners. Wow. Well, again, it's, it's interesting to learn about these organizations that uh, the community members not, may not be aware of. You're probably involved with many other nonprofits and, and helping in so many ways, and people just aren't even aware. So it's, it's great to build, a, build that awareness and highlight you. Um, how did you get involved and end up in the executive director role? Well, uh, like a lot of people, I started actually in corporate. The work that I did in corporate was very good work, and I enjoyed that type of work. 
but um, I felt that there was something lacking in my life and really wanted to be purpose driven. So uh, after I had an epiphany uh, about uh, the environment and wanting to protect it and wanting to share it with young people and youth, I went back to school and uh, got a degree in or a certificate actually in uh, global sustainability. Uh, from there, I started all over with my career, started working for nonprofits. Uh, my first job really in was the management of the uh, Small Business Development Center. From there, I moved on to Milwaukee Community Service Corps um, and eventually found my way here to Groundwork, Milwaukee. Well, I love the idea of finding your, your passion and turning that into a purpose. And then you start, it's like a domino effect, right? You start affecting all these different things. Wonderful. Damien, tell us your story. Yeah. So um, I'm a born and bred Milwaukeean and um, have, have grown up as a, a multicultural person um, in, in multicultural areas. And, you know, it's been really apparent to me throughout my experience that you know, there's a lot of disparities out there that exist between, you know, folks who have and folks who don't. And I've really, that being able to see that and, and experience it has uh, kind of drove me from a young age to really think about how can I be a part of um, bridging any gap that exists and how can I be a resource and a support to others who are who are working to, to improve their lives and, and, and work alongside them to do that. I think, uh, so in that fashion, um, my, my work has really been focused on education uh, for the, the first part of my career. So um, whether it was working in schools or working in job training programs um, or providing support for schools in different ways, I have worked with, with young people from, from kindergarten to 24 years old, um, helping them develop skills and things. And I think one of the most impactful moments that I've had um, was while I was running a, a job training program for youth who are experiencing homelessness in Seattle. It was an eight week long program and really, you know, we, we had outcomes, you know, whether they completed a resume or uh, had an interview and things like that. Um, and obviously we were interested in, in their ability to find gainful employment after the fact. But um, what really struck me was after these eight weeks, seeing um, the look in their eyes that they felt better equipped to to handle the hard challenges that they knew they would experience. Um, and e even if they didn't know what that challenge was, they, they felt like they were better equipped. And, and for me, that was really powerful because um, the people that we work with at Groundwork and, and any other place, you know, hopefully we're not working with them for too long, right? Hopefully we've provided some capacity building for them to, to be able to, to face the things that are in front of them and to really to really address them in a way where they feel like they're, they're in a better place. I, the, I think I, I look at the opportunity to come to Groundwork was extremely appealing to me because of the mission that was really focused on, on working alongside people. It wasn't, you know, doing for, doing to. Um, it was really working alongside appeal to, to that part of me. The, the other thing that appealed to me was this idea of working on the environment and working in food. I've got a passion for food and um, I, I would say when I first started my professional career, even though I didn't have any experience with gardening, I was applying for all these like 
jobs that would be working at farms and being a program manager at farm, just because the idyllic nature of that appealed to me, right? Like, it was like, oh, this would be cool. Um, and, and rightfully so, I was never hired because I didn't have any experience to do it. And to be honest, to this day, I don't have a ton of experience with gardening. But what's, what, what I'm able to do is I've been able to build skills as a director and a community, you know, organizer and be able to take those skills and clear the path for the, the technical experts that we do have on our staff who are amazing community organizers and are amazing gardeners. Um, and I'm able to really take those skills again to, to clear the path and, and improve their capacity um, so that we can do more and more work like that. Okay, well, tell us how you then carry out your mission to serve the community. I mean, that seems to be the common denominator here, serving the community. You have a number of different programs you offer. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about some of those different programs? Yeah, the big way we're able to carry out our mission is through our garden network. Danine had mentioned about uh, the Milwaukee Grows Garden Network, and it consists of about 120 gardens in the city of Milwaukee. This really acts as the hub of all of our programming. These locations uh, offer us an opportunity to improve uh, access to fresh food by growing more food, um, by delivering food from gardens that are producing too much to places that need it, um, and in, and having our young people engage in um, civic engagement uh, in their own communities. Our spaces throughout the community that our gardens provide are really the heart and, and the people who are working with at those gardens, the garden leaders and the gardens that exist in there, are the ones who give us the feedback and tell us what we can do better and how we can support them in their, their production and their um, community development at their gardens. And so the other programs that you offer that sound like they would go with that would be the green team or the young farmers. Absolutely. Our Young Farmers program um, works with middle school students. In some cases, it's an intergenerational program. So we've got three specific garden sites that we're working at this year. And at those sites, uh, seniors have planted gardens and uh, young people will come in and support those gardens. And then Alongside that, we provide education in growing plants and soil and uh, taking care of plants um, and things like that. And then we also talk about lifelong learning and making sure that we're providing opportunities for them to uh, engage with, with literacy um, on a holistic level. So whether that's with math, whether that's with, with reading um, and language, uh, we, we incorporate that into our work with the young people and the, the participants and young farmers as well. Is the COVID-19 a pandemic making an impact at all on your plans for the summer gardens that you talk about? I'd say no, not at this point. Um, we are moving forward with the gardens and with our summer plans. We're doing so very carefully. Uh, we've got a lot of process in place, a lot of safety measures in place to ensure that everyone stays healthy. The only thing that I, I thought I would add is like we have a responsibility to provide public health information to those who are in our gardens and using that space as an opportunity to talk about best practices for safe, staying safe, making sure to model those best practices, you know, whether there's a hot spot in the neighborhood and making sure that we're, we're letting folks know that there's additional precautions that they should take. This year is very different. It's, it's completely different than anything else we've experienced. And quite frankly, the Garden Network has been around since the 80s. And, you know, if we go all the way back, there's no memory of anything like that. I think it's important to share opportunities that are available for our young people in the community. You both had mentioned, Deneen and Damien, different ways that uh, you engage the youth. Um, we want to share ways that they can keep busy, they can stay out of trouble, they can be helpful and productive. 
So stick around, we're gonna learn some of the other ways that Groundwork Milwaukee is working with the youth in our community. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Deneen Powell and Damien DeBoer from Groundwork Milwaukee. We, we talked briefly in the previous segment about how you guys are engaging youth, keeping kids and, and young adults busy during the summer. That's a positive thing in so many ways. It you know, gives them an opportunity to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves, gives them an opportunity to give back, to be productive. These are all great things. What are some of the ways that you're encouraging that? Yeah, so one of our biggest programs that we work with young people with is Green Team. We're working with uh, high school-aged young people who um, are out in our spaces. So as mentioning that, like in our network, uh, we use that as a hub for, for, for our work. Um, and our young people will work in our gardens and they'll also learn from the garden leaders there about the history of the garden and about the history of Milwaukee. Um, they'll learn that like the work that they're doing is having a positive impact and how it's having a positive impact on the, the, the community. So we really consider civic engagement to be a really big part of young people. And we want them to know that their actions make a difference in the community, that they have the power to do that. Um, in addition to that, we're doing um, training in STEAM, right? Uh, science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Um, the, the jobs in the future are really problem-solving jobs and building skills and technical skills in this area um, through planting and really, you know, taking a notice of, of how much the, the yield is and um, thinking about what needs to be amended and how much is, is watered is a big part of that. Uh, we also talk about leadership. So it's like, how are you taking leadership with yourself and being a, a leader for yourself and doing what's best um, for the goals that you want to hit down the road? And also, how are you being a leader for others? How are you modeling? How are you asking your peers to, to do better? Um, or, or making sure that if they, they see um, a pothole, right, like that they're not going into that pothole, but rather they, they've got um, somebody that's saying, hey, like, you don't want to step there. That's not something that you want to do. Um, and then the final thing is really lifelong learning. Um, college and um, career may not be the next step for high school folks, but we want them to be thinking that whatever it is, they, they need to be learning a new skill or learning something so that they can continue to develop skills and that can prepare them for whatever educational experience or career is for them down the road. Awesome. What are some other uh, programs? Deneen, you and I had talked about this GIS system. What is that about? Sure. That's a geographic information systems. And what I say to folks that are not familiar with that term GIS is think about uh, computer mapping uh, is uh, probably the best way to describe it. One of the really fun and exciting things about some of our programming, particularly with the green team, is that we use GIS as a part of our technical training component for green team. So they may be out and about mapping where the gardens are, actually walking through with cameras and creating uh, a story map, we call it, uh, which then we can upload to our website. And if you do go on our website and you click on our maps, 
quite a few of them actually have a way to tour the garden virtually because of the work that our youth have, have done with that. Um, we have it as data collection and analysis. They really do focus on things like green infrastructure. So right now our kids learn about how to build a bioswell. They learn about how to create a rain garden. And these things are able to do and then take the GIS work to determine where that next where that next project is. Um, and they, they can look at a space and say, okay, we've managed the flooding here. Our next project needs to be over here where there's still flooding happening. So it's a very hands-on experiential program and um, it gives a lot of really great skills. And for our children, as they continue to go through this, uh, our teens, they may decide that GIS is for them. And if it is, then the next step really would be continuing education for it. They may be able to use it as a part of, say, for example, learning about green infrastructure and maybe becoming a green infrastructure maintenance person. And then they need that GIS. The GIS becomes another tool in their toolbox. It makes them more marketable out in the out in the career world. Um, so that's how we that's how we try to frame it up and work with our kids. Uh, one other thing I just wanted to mention was one of the things that Groundwork is very much known for and why we do get a lot of return kids uh, year in and year out they come back is our experiential programming which also consists of us visiting the national parks. Um, in a normal year we would take you to two to three national parks um, throughout the summer season. Um, and that's Yellowstone, the Grand Tetons, Glacier National, the Grand Canyon. Uh, those are probably the four, top four that we rotate through in the course of uh, a season or two. Um, that experience, again, broadens their horizons, gets them out there, seeing things that they've never experienced before, really. A, a lot of our youth haven't been much more than four or five miles from their home. Um, and even somebody who may live two miles from the lakefront, if you're a central city kid, you may have never visited the beach. You may not know that Milwaukee actually has a river. That sounds wonderful. You know, take them to these national parks. If, if you have a, uh, a child then that is interested in engineering or maybe they're a, a tech whiz or maybe they're just interested in, in environmental thing, they should be checking Groundwork Milwaukee out because there's a lot of opportunities there to engage the youth. So a lot of exciting things going on over there. You know, when I went to your website, do a little bit of research, I saw the, of course, the well-rounded programs that you provide. Those are all wonderful, very impressive. But there was also an impressive list of achievements. You want to elaborate on, on what some of those are and then maybe share what's on the horizon for Groundwork? Over the last two years, we've been working in partnership with uh, the River West Food Pantry and our farm site, Malio. First year we were uh, working with River West Food Pantry, we actually grew over 9,000 pounds of food uh, for local food pantries, uh, River West, and then we had such a surplus we wound up giving it away to others. Last year that number jumped and we were at 13,000 pounds of food uh, for wow. the West Food Pantry and other organizations. In addition to that, our green team picks up food, and what we do in that situation is that they actually go out to privately owned sites where, you know, a grandma and grandpa might have an old, old 
orchard in their backyard that they're not really doing much with anymore. So the fruit grows and falls to the ground and, and they would love to be able to do something more with it than just watch it rot on the ground. So what they wind up doing is they call us up, we come in, uh, the fresh apples that are on the tree, we pick all of those and take those off and give those away. The apples that fall to the ground that are bruised may go uh, to a cidery or someplace that will press it. Um, and then lastly, the whatever's left over, the really yucky stuff, uh, we actually take over to one of the composting organizations to have it composted. So nothing goes to waste, and that's a very exciting thing. And, and I think uh, to, to add on to what Deneen's saying, that we're really trying to build off of those successes. So our success with uh, the River West Food Pantry and our success with the Green team, we're, we're trying to figure out how we can be a bigger player in the community to get food hyper locally to people. So doing garden stands in our gardens and inviting people in to come get free produce that way um, so that we're coming to them a little bit more, um, but then also figuring out how we can expand that reach into other food pantries in the city. Well, and I think you guys are being a little humble because I'm looking at uh, at your accomplishments list here and uh, Groundwork Milwaukee has acquired more than 9,000 volunteer hours, which that's very impressive. I'm sure any nonprofit would agree with that. You've partnered with 30 schools and over 203,000 individuals have benefited from your projects and your programs. So that's something to be very, very proud of and, and, and very impressive. And again, that's why we like to highlight organizations such as yours. So you've accomplished quite a bit. What would you say is your biggest need then right now? Well, resources, and I think every nonprofit says that. And for us, the resources fall into our kind of three pots. Uh, first is volunteers. Uh, we do require a great deal of volunteers to maintain the gardens, uh, to work on the farm at Malio to help us bring in that harvest. Um, this year, we're starting a new program where we're actually uh, launching an application, uh, fresh food uh application that you can use to actually fresh food access which you can actually uh use to let us know that you have surplus produce from your garden and so we need volunteers that are willing to run over there and pick it up and bring it back to us so yeah it's it's fun neat cool stuff but there is quite a bit that that there's quite a bit of people that we need to make this all work. So volunteers is first. Okay. Um, the second thing I would say is uh, vehicles. We are constantly uh, in need of vehicles. Uh, we get a lot of used vehicles, which don't always work so well. So uh, we're always waiting for the next person to volunteer to donate um, a vehicle. Thirdly, uh, is, well, quite frankly, funds. Um, that is what every nonprofit is looking for. We do need those funds that are not restricted that can be used for our core operating costs. Okay. Well, there you have it. Those, uh, those three things that you are in the greatest need of. Um, if you're in a position to help, then uh, they sh our listeners should reach out to Groundwork Milwaukee. What's the best way to contact you guys? Our website. Uh, on our website, we uh, all of our email addresses are there. You can uh, send us an email directly. It's, it's basically our first name at groundworkmke.org. So send us an email. Let us know um, 
how you want to help, how you want to be involved, and uh, we'll get right back to you. We'd okay. love to have you there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Deneen and Damien, for sharing your passion for the work that you do and the kids that you uh, impact in the community. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I'd actually like to thank all the guests today, Hannah Gonzalez, the Executive Director from Hope MKE, and again, Deneen Powell and Damien DeBoer from the Groundwork Milwaukee organization. Um, if you'd like further information about any of the organizations we talked to today, or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262 691-3200. So join us again next Sunday morning at 10 as we highlight more nonprofits in our community. It'll give you a chance to learn firsthand what some of these great people and organizations are doing and how they're making a difference one step at a time. Tune in either on AM 1130 or on Talk1130.com or even on your iHeartRadio app on your cell phone. Visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or you can now listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Lots of ways to get information on what's going on in the world of philanthropy. Use your passion and your talents to be a blessing and give a blessing. Happy Sunday.